Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Mark Selby, Nickel Market Commentator, also CEO of Canada Nickel Corp. They're TSXV listed junior with a nickel asset in Canada. We talked to him today about uh, the macro scene, uh, what's happening in China, what it's doing to stimulate the market, the impact that it's having elsewhere in the world. Uh, we're seeing sort of 17% year-on-year increase in production on the uh, 300 series of stainless steel, for instance. Um, also talking about new product in the market from New Caledonia, but it's barely touching the side. We're going to need to find nickel and a lot of it quite soon. So enjoy the podcast. Mark Selby, how are you doing, sir? Very well, Matthew Gordon. How are you? Not bad, not bad. But then I haven't had the kind of car journey you've you've done. So uh, tell us all about it. You told me before we started. I yeah. was like, I was like, I was impressed. Where are you? Yes, I am in Timmins, um, which is a uh, eight hour car journey north of Toronto. Um, I had stopped in Sudbury on the way up, and uh, um, got it up. Got up here uh, again. It's uh, trying to minimize contacts. Things in Ontario are pretty good, but it's it's uh, safer to drive than than to fly at this point. So rather than take any additional risks um, um, with contact at home with some higher risk people, uh, I uh, got to see a good chunk of northern Ontario that I hadn't seen before. So. Well, I guess that's rather gorgeous and a lot of thinking time, uh, a lot of phone, oh, phone yes. calls made, yeah. I, sus- I suspect. But yeah, okay, that would be like the entire length of Britain and some, in fact, a little bit about an hour north yep. in the sea. Uh, so that's that's always impressive. Okay, um, well, we're going to look, we're here to catch up, weekly catch up, what's going on in the world of nickel. We've talked for the last yep. two weeks about fundamentals. We've also talked about price in the market, and this week has not disappointed again. Yes, nickel continues to surprise, and I was wrong uh, once again. You know, what we've seen the last, I mean, again, sort of the last four to six weeks, you've seen some momentum um, um, stuff come in. Last week was obviously the Elon Musk comment that popped nickel prices up about 4%, and then, you know, just yesterday, in the last 72 hours, you know, nickel prices have moved up another 4 or 5%. And in this case, we're finally seeing some real fundamental numbers come through. Um, you know, what was amazing was uh, Chinese stainless steel production. And again, you know, two thirds of, of nickel goes into stainless steel. So that's the you know, big number in China is about two thirds of, of, of all stainless steel these days. So their year over year uh, 300 series, which is the one that has the most stainless that has the most nickel was up 17 percent year over year. Uh, I know I've I've you know sort of ranted on a few prior conversations about analysts you know sort of being very you know very nervous about stepping away from a two percent two to three percent growth number. You know the reality is in nickel it has these kinds of moves. So you know all of a sudden you know people's demand forecasts for nickel and then you know which are going to use this year as a base and then go forward. If all of a sudden the base is going to be materially higher. You know. Again, you know the the, the uh, you know amount of extra nickel that will now need to be consumed, and an analyst forecast is going to raise you know be raised by several hundred thousand tons over the next you know over the next four or five five years. So, uh, and, and again, the, the, I don't think this one month's a blip. Um, you know, the, the the good thing is you've seen stainless prices go up during that time frame, so people are really demanding it. Um, you're seeing inventories drop. So again, there's a whole set of now fundamental numbers that are finally pointing in the right direction. We, we didn't see those fundamental numbers showing up 
um, you know, which could suggest that there's sort of a bunch of hidden stocks that are taking care of whatever additional demands coming through. And maybe that was the case. But now, <laughs> obviously, the call has gone out. Um, in terms of the nickel market, you know, the other part that's 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 constructive, um, you know, in terms of, of where we are at this point is um, you're seeing ore prices also move up with the stainless price, the nickel price and the ore price has moved up. Um, you know, if, if if there was enough nickel pig iron floating around right now, you know, the, the NPI producers wouldn't necessarily, um, you know, be bidding up uh bidding up ore prices to produce a bunch more, you know, so, so that suggests, you know, things are, you know, they're, they're produ produced, they're, they're buying more ore at higher prices because they need to. So uh, again, I, you know, th th these moves are, are, are um, uh, good. We'll see how the fundamentals sort of hold up here, but um, again, holding six, if we end up with between 625 and 650 through the end of the year here, then, you know, that that's a great position for, you know, I think what's coming down the pipe. So what's happening in China? What is happening in China? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of stimulus, but they're they're yeah. coming at it a different way from the West, where we're just helicoptering money in and dropping it, scattering it uh, yes. in a kind of very random fashion. These guys seem to be driving it towards infrastructure, manufacturing, yeah. and obviously primary industry. We're we're seeing here because if I look at seventeen percent year over year on the nickel three hundred series. That, that's nuts. I mean, that's yeah. insane. So, what, so what, what's what's yeah. happening? Yeah, no, it's it's again, you know, the, the Chinese, the way they reflate their economy is to, you know, basically, you know, get a bunch of infrastructure built, get a bunch of housing built. Um, um, you know, again, social housing is is a big driver in, in in China, and so again, we see the the East Coast, which is very well developed now, but there's still hundreds of millions of people who still haven't, you know, fully participated in what Shanghai and Beijing look like today. So. Um, you know, again, the the overall macro theme you see in a bunch of numbers. So, you know, uh, copper semis production, you know, they're running at 101 percent of, of capacity right now. Year over year steel production, um, you know, is in very healthy uh, you know, growth territory. So, uh, you know, they've done it, you know, as I said, you know, 2003, 2008, 2009. You know, there's been a number of cycles, you know, where they've come. You know, this is the button that the Chinese government hits to try and 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 uh, you know, build up their economy. So, you know, this 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 is going to continue. You know, um, for a good six months, six to twelve months, um, and per, you know, perhaps longer. You know, we'll just have to see sort of where the Chinese economy uh, lands. We'll also be able to work out he, he got it right in terms of their approach to stimulating the economy. Yes. Um, yes. Which is a fascinating one. I think we're we're going to talk to a couple of U.S. funds about next week. But um, prices are up, inventories down. Imports uh, on the rise. Where are they getting it all from? Yeah, I mean, right now it's just the Philippines, and so you know that's uh, again the the catalyst for you know the end of the year is you know, they need to build inventory or inventories because the Philippines has the rainy season from November through February, and if they haven't built their stockpiles up, you know they're they're you know um, things will get even tighter um, in, in the end of the year. Uh, there was news uh, yesterday: New Caledonia approved. Two mines, Agoro and another mine, to export about two million tons each of of ore. Um, you know that will, will work out to depending on the grade, fifty to seventy thousand tons uh, of additional nickel uh, nickel ore availability. Um, 
but again, you know, there, <laughs> we lost several hundred thousand tons of ore availability from Indonesia when they put the ban in place in, in January. So, you know, it'll, it will help a little bit, but it's, it's not going to change the fundamental picture. And New Caledonia is really the only proximal source of large volumes of additional uh, material. So if kind of that's it that, that can come to the market from, from the, the, the biggest potential supplier, then that's, you know, a good sort of, you know, medium term um, view. Um, you may see some additional quantities from West Africa, uh, Guatemala, uh, and a couple other um, locations. But you know, again, there's there's not uh, you know there, there's not another Indonesia out there waiting with uh, uh, or ready to go to China. So yeah, again, it really does help uh, the end of the year picture and into into uh, 2021. So okay, New Caledonia, that's two times two million. So that's four million tons into the market, but it doesn't touch the sides. Um, if Indonesia continues. Um, with this ban on exports, things are going to get tight for sure. Is there any chance that the Indonesians say, well, actually, we're going to come back on, on online here. We are, we are going to be supplying to the market. So any chance of that? No, I, I would be zero. Again, you know, this has probably been the most successful developing country mining investment program ever. Um, they've literally seen tens of billions of dollars of investment pour into the country. And again, you know, I would love to see someone put a chart together of what that investment looks like over the last five years, and they've got to be top of the list um, in terms of attracting investment. So, um, you know, they, they, they flipped themselves in, in 2014, and that was really in response to a short-term issue where the sort of the home team player, PT Antam, uh, who the government also owned, was really struggling to produce enough ore to meet Chinese, uh, the demand from the plants that had been built at that point. Um, and, you know, they, again, they, they pulled the ban forward um, this time um, to to make sure that they were going to get the investment that they wanted. So uh, I think there's zero chance that they would they would flip it, you know, um, flip back at, at this point in time. OK, well, let, let, let's talk about how where the demand is coming from. You mentioned a few other places that, that's going to come yeah. from and you've got Lots of you know diff different grades and scales of operations and so forth. But um, something you mentioned in the past, it's a question been sent in. Um, we've talked about um, intermediate material and how that yep. may be a solution for this uh, demand that's coming coming down the line. So can you just can you just sort of remind people what the intermediate solution is and perhaps how that could affect uh, the market? Yeah. So over the next you know, over the next three or four years, um, as you know, capacity starts to get built to con to, to continue to supply the EV market. You know what you know, what you're going to see, and what makes most sense from the supply chain for the auto industry. What's the lowest cost to get it out of the ground and into a, into an EV? Um, you know, is to really um, make an in, in the highest quality intermediate product that you can from either a laterite or a sulfide deposit. And then, you know, you know, take that product and then put it into a plant, um, you know, that, you know, then takes it uh, down the path, um, you know, into, uh, you know, into, into a product that's much closer to what can be used uh, for the auto company. Uh, again, there's two, two, two main reasons for that. One is, um, you know, if you're going to make a nickel sulfate, um, the, the, there's a huge amount of uh, a big portion of the cost is, is crystallizing the sulfate out of solution. You use a massive amount of energy, and then the first step in in the next process that uses the sulfate then redissolves it all again. So, and again, in terms of that end to end cost, you know that's a you know very wasteful step. The other piece of it is, 
Uh, again, a lot of, you know, nickel intermediates, you know, in, in laterite side, you can have material that's, you know, 45 to 50% nickel and other ones that are 65% nickel. Um, but a, a pure nickel sulfate, just because you stick a bunch of, uh, uh, it ends up effectively water molecules um, in there. It's only 22, 24, 22 or 24% uh, nickel. So again, if you then have to ship it somewhere, you know, it's, it's much more expensive you know, per, per unit of nickel to ship that material around. And all you're doing is that taking a bunch of sulfate, you know, paying for a bunch of sulfate ions to travel around the world. So for those two reasons, you know, you know, the, the, the companies that I've been discussing, you know, that's very much conceptually sort of, you know, where they see the industry going. And so, you know, again, I think, you know, producers who are looking, you know, to, to get into production over the next three, four, five years, that needs to be, you know, kind of where, where, where you have to head to. So we've, we've interviewed a few companies recently who are looking to, because you know, the market's tight, tightening, and they're yep. seeing um, the ability to capture value further down the supply chain. Nickel is seemingly quite an expensive uh, industry, just, um, you know, just the mining component, yep. you need to raise a lot of capital, the capex is, is, is vast. Are there solutions that you think you're know, looking forward? And this is this is stimulated from a question for someone saying, "Well, could innovation? Is there innovation that's going to come into the, the nickel space from the likes of people like Elon Musk?" With you know, with that comment last week, where saying, "Well, there must be a more efficient way to capture nickel to be able to provide high grade nickel to battery manufacturers." Are you seeing much innovation? Are you seeing people wanting to move down the supply chain or just is it miners focus on mining and processors focus on processing? Well, a lot, I mean, again, there, you know, there was a whole flurry of people talking about making nickel sulfate, um, you know, at, at the mine site or somewhere in between. Again, I think, you know, if you're in production right now, um, you still have to sort of avoid uh, the, you know, the cartel um, that, you know, that the oligopoly that, you know, really manages, you um, nickel supply so you 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 know it is good to have some sort of downstream path but again don't build the plant at your mine site um you know the uh the 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 industry is is definitely just definitely talking about it that's where they want to go um i think it'll be the next generation of plants that get built you know will be sort of built with that concept in mind you know again the challenge for them is you know there aren't a lot of intermediate you know again it's a bit of a chicken egg um you know there's not a lot of there's not five 50,000 ton a year nickel uh, production plants coming online outside of or mines coming online outside of of Indonesia so um you know the, and the Chinese are you know busy basically getting their plants in place um in in, in Indonesia so that they're going to own the entire chain you know right through um to to final product um and so it won't be available to the to Western suppliers. So talk, talk to me about this next generation of plants. I mean, what what, what do you mean? What what are they going to do that the current current plants don't do? Yeah. So the, again, right now they've they've been quite happy to to buy sulfate from you know Glencore, Valet, you know uh, other 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 producers. Um, but you know, again, right now we're just in the baby stages of of nickel in the EV market. You know, it's it's basically you know three or four percent of 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 um, overall nickel demand, you know, and we're talking about going from, um, you know, 80,000 tons to, you know, four to 500,000 tons by 2025, and then, you know, a million to million and a half tons by 2030. And so, um, you know, they're thinking about, okay, how do I make the, you know, eight times, you know, five times the amount of nickel I need by 2025. And, it, and it's, you know, as they gear up, 
to, you know, to, to get that level of production in place, they're thinking about, okay, you know, I, I was fine when I was producing, you know, buying 20,000 tons of, of uh, you know, nickel sulfate. But then when I want to, you know, when I need five times that, then, then I need to start to think about, you know, what that cost looks like and what, and how I want to position myself uh, going forward. Cause again, you know, you know, one thing that Tesla has been, been, you know, really um, focused on is just scale. You know, you know, the, the gigafactories, you know, are, are huge. They're built to be expanded even further because, again, they, they realize, you know, there's there is a scale curve um, to this production. And so, you know, they, they just want to make sure they're as far out in front of the rest of the pack as po- possible to be able to have uh, a cost advantage versus them. And, and again, I think in the production of, of these, you know, production of, of the products that are necessary for the chain, again, you know, scale will scale will help, you know, because, again, in the auto industry, it's all about. Um, you know, trying to be the lowest cost uh, supplier and continuing to, you know, modify your supply chain so it's the absolute lowest cost possible. Okay, so talk to me about this oligopoly um, because when you say words like that, it says, well, they can control pricing the market, they can control supply processing, uh, which may affect my decision making as an investor. So, what? Was it sort of tongue in cheek, or do you mean there there is like something that we should be aware oh, of? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no. It's 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 tongue in cheek, but um, you know the, the reality. Um, ten ten years, you know, ten and twenty years ago, um, you know, was you had a very small hand. Unlike copper and zinc, where you have bent benchmark treatment terms um, that are negotiated with some competitive tension between producers and suppliers. You know, in the nickel space, there was really only a handful of downstream smelter refiners, um, and so. You know, they had effectively a lot of pricing power over uh, over miners in terms of you know who got what share of the profit um, from digging it out of the ground. Um, you know that's been loosening as you know again these alternative production channels open up in China. Um, you know, um, pricing terms have moved higher, um, but we're still you know we're only about twenty percent of the way down that path. Again, I think in another three or four years you'll see a lot more capacity come on in China. Um, you know, to handle nickel intermediates to get them into a form that can be used by the by the auto industry. Uh, you know, th- this is exactly what happened in cobalt um, in the mid 2000s, and I expect uh, you know a similar thing to happen uh, in the nickel space here. Okay, so there's there's a saying um, in mining which is uh, he he who controls um, the mill controls the district, right? Been around yeah, for a yeah, long, long yeah. time, right? So it's well known. Yeah. But there's something to it. Is that even more the case with things like nickel? And certainly we've talked about it in the context of cobalt previously in copper. But is that the case now with nickel or is there a bit more to it? Um, it, oh no, it was definitely the case like 15, 20 years ago, you know, and, and in the past, you know, the Inco and Falcon bridges of their time, I mean, it, it was, it really helped limit supply if you really as a miner, you know, couldn't really get a path to market for your, for your product other than selling it to them, um, you know, at a, at a price that ensured they made a lot of money on it. Um, uh, you know, again, today, today, that is, that, that's less the case, but again, at the, you, you have to, you know, um, you need to further process your material to actually get cash. So, um, you know, that's when I, when I was with RNC, when we looked at Dumont, that's why we came up with this roasting approach to effectively, you know, that gave us a channel to bypass um, the existing smelters and refiners to get material into uh, a much more competitive market where there's dozens and dozens of nickel pig iron producers um, to take advantage of. Um, you know, that's, um, you know, miners need to think that way, but, 
again, over the next three or four years, you know, that that hold on the market that the existing players have is going to, you know, going to continue to diminish as these, you know, alternate paths to market start to appear um, from China. Okay, so, um, so again, it's just a few questions that have been sent in, yeah. um, you know, by people who listen to the series. Uh, lot, a lot of questions around the same thing, so I'm going to sort of paraphrase if I may. So sure. um, people want to try and understand what do you mean by, in one case, uh, would challenge your assertion around the need for forward guidance from the automotive industries. Shouldn't you be able to just stand on your own two feet and get on with it in a bear or a bull market? Why do you need guidance from the automotive industry? It's, you know, the, rea- the reality is, you know, and I'll t- I was talking about it when nickel was six bucks a pound, you know, um, 650 is a, a, it's better for the miners. But, you know, at $6 a pound, there is no projects outside of Indonesia, you know, that can move forward, um, you know, at a $6 a pound price. Elon Musk in his sort of set of comments, you know, he said, don't wait for prices. You know, one of them was don't wait for prices to go back to prior levels, you know, and that is a reflection of, okay, the, 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 um, the, um, there aren't projects that, that can go ahead at the current level. They do need higher prices to be able to get going. And again, it's fine for him who's not investing a billion dollars in capital to say, trust me, you know, we're going to, we're going to use all the nickel you, you need, just go ahead and spend that billion dollars. And, and uh, yeah, don't worry about it. Um, you know, if they want the nickel, they're going to really need to provide the guidance to the market as to, you know, how much nickel the market, you know, they're really going to need in that, you know, in the 2025 time period, the 2030 time period um, to be able to help um, shift the investment community to be re- ready to write a check to the mining companies to be able to build these projects, you know, um, that's, you know, that's the, the bottom line. And that then that's, that's, you know, that's why I made that assertion. Okay, I mean, it's interesting what you just said to me, because, you know, no companies outside Indonesia are going to be eco- economically mining nickel for under six bucks. That, that, that's what yep. you just said, right? Because yep. like, you, you, you and I have been on the finance side of, of things for long enough, and we been done enough in mining to know when, when companies kind of splurge out their ASIC numbers, those numbers can be managed, manipulated to a degree. Okay, well, mm-hmm. just, yep. just say that. Just that's uh, a big macro statement, not a fraction on any, any your companies or any companies I know. But it's I, I've been in rooms where that that happens, and things can look economic when you're using ASIC. So. It gets really, really difficult when you've got companies that are saying, hey, we're economic at $5 nickel. But the reality, underlying reality is that um, they need $6 nickel to actually be, be, be profitable. Okay, so that, 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 that happens. Okay, and I'm talking about gold, I'm talking yep. about copper, silver, all, all companies, you know, play, play that game to agree. So your assertion that no companies can economically mine for under six bucks is i mean are there exceptions to this i I wouldn't say i wouldn't say yeah i would i wouldn't say economically mine it's it basically finance get a project financed so you know again if you need a billion dollars you know again boise's bay underground boy ballet is you know one and a half billion dollars on a ping deep glencore's project you know that's 800 million dollars um, you know, those are the the scale of the tickets that are are required to bring new nickel production, right. and, and so so the yeah so so the cash cost again using Dumont you know feasibility study numbers as an example, you know the cash cost is around three dollars a pound, 
the all-in sustaining cost is well below $4 a pound. So again, they'll print money at a $6 nickel price in the future. It's just a matter of getting enough, you know, getting the, um, uh, getting that billion dollars to be able to build the plant, to be able to, you know, to make right. uh, that, you know, that quantity okay. of nickel and generate a return on that uh, billion dollar uh, investment. But, but, you know, again, that this is something uh, you, you bring up the, the case of the, the C1 and the ASIC. I would really encourage investors, you know, there's, um, you know, a bunch of, you know, the, the, you know, high grade is sexy, you know, and, and it looks great, but, you know, I would really encourage investors if you're looking at a high grade operation to go to the free cash flow page, um, because, you know, the, the issue with a high grade mine is that you have the expiration cost, you then have to develop the mine to get out to where you just found the, the nickel that you just drilled, you know, and, and that, you know, that number, you know, piles up, um, uh, you know, pretty quickly. And so, you know, they, they might say, oh, we've got this cost and then we've got this cost, you know, and you think, oh, you know, there's should be making two to $3 a pound. And then you go to the cash flow, free ca cash flow statement and you look to see actually how much free cash flow they generate. And, you know, none of it's there because when you do all in sustaining costs, you know, that's one of those things where companies play a little shell game in terms of, okay, well, you know, that's not sustaining capital that's expiration and development so we'll leave it on that side of the fence so their ace you know their asic number looks you know looks lower so um but yeah no that's that's it i would highly encourage you know people to do that you know there's there's one one example in the industry that you know is kind of sort of very much um you know sort of you know twisted their the, the definitions of c1 cost um you know more than i think uh I think we all know a lot of you're talking people about. would be um, comfortable with. Yes. Yeah, I think we. All, we yeah, not let's, let's not yeah. not let's definitely not mention any names. But I don't think it's unusual. It happens all the time. I see it across all commodities. It's the dance that the CFI plays, and you. That's why I think so. Fundamentals have got to be there. You do I say need to look. Look through the MDNA. The cash flow statement the never lies. Statement that's, never lies. That's, that is the best best of all of the financial statements. Yeah, okay. So um, maybe it's something we, we can pick up on a, on another time, just maybe help people sort of understand and, and, and go through that and what you know, the actuality of, of some of these costs are. Um, next question was, and, and since you've come up with your net zero trademarked or trademark yeah. pending um, uh, concept, and you're starting to talk about it in the marketplace, and we've seen it everywhere, Everywhere, so you got yep. some amazing coverage from that from mainstream press as well. It's really good. Um, people starting to come to come to us and talk about the difference between clean nickel and dirty nickel, you know. And there's some yep. some are, you know, saying well, sulfite's cleaner than laterite, and uh, some are saying well, some of the practices are cleaner than others. This whole ESG component is so so important. Elon Musk yep. said it was, so it's got to be true, um, right? <laughs> right? Um, but. And I'm thinking, for example, of uh, practices like, you know, the, the what is the actual cost of trying to be a clean, responsible, ethical miner versus miners who don't have those problems in some jurisdictions where they've got deep sea uh, tailings, um, you know, where they're literally dumping stuff at, uh, out into the sea, but at very deep volume. So it shouldn't be a problem. It'll be OK, folks. Right. Um, yeah. How do you balance that off? Because obviously, with kind of lower ethics come lower costs potentially, you know, and with ESG right. come higher costs potentially. So what's your take on it? 
Yeah. And that, that's the, the thing is, 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 you know, the opportunity. And, and this is why we, you know, we wanted to be so far out in front of it is, you know, there are situations, you know, you know, and again, we are projects there. There are other projects that have a set of, you know, have, have again, an intersection of things that make sense that allow them to do it. You know, when we look at, you know, the ability of, of the location where we're at with the, the hydroelectricity, and then the, the, again, the nature of the rocks themselves to absorb CO2, you know, that what we need to do to get there is in fact, because we're starting out and we're going to design it in from the beginning, um, you know, we'll really have, you know, our expectation is, is as we go through the engineering here that we'll have, you know, basically minimal to no impact on capital cost and minimal to no impact on operating costs. You know, every operation can't say that, but, you know, again, it's those opportunities and, and that's where people, you know, one of the dimensions now, as you start to look at mining projects is to say, okay, you know, is it a good deposit? Is it in a good location? And then the, you know, the, the, the next question, and again, I think we, if you want to really make a lot of money in mining is to identify those opportunities where you can, you can mine, you know, mine at, you know, zero or close to zero carbon going forward. You know, it, it's, it's an equal pillar in the pillars of, of what you need to look at as, as, as you look at new projects. Right. So I know, I know you've got, you've, you, you have, um, what you've got. There are other companies who have, you know, s- similar um, capability, well, not capability, we've got, they've got similar situations, banks on similar situations. We're not, we're going to be careful. This is a kind of macro show. And I want to say, you know, some companies are, are perfectly capable of, of achieving the same goals as you, some yeah. a lot less so. Um, you know, they've got a whole different set of problems. Um, and, and which I want to talk about because, you know, we, again, this, I mean, we must have like 40 questions here about clean and dirty nickel and, you know, investing yeah. in ethical investing and what's going to get funded, you know, what are institutions looking for? And you have answered some of those questions over the past few weeks. Um, are you getting much feedback as part of your net zero conversations? Um, you know, what are people trying to understand about net zero and, and do they buy your version of it? Yeah, no, to be honest, I think, you know, um, you know, the feedback over the past week has been, um, you know, has been been very positive in terms of, you know, making that making that an objective. And, and again, I've, you know, had a number of conversations with a number of, of different mining companies and, and other groups in the last you know, week and a half here. And I have not had any, you know, and again, <laughs> with people that I've known for quite a while and, and aren't, aren't afraid to tell me that I'm, you know, full of um, something um, on something. And, and yeah, you know, again, I've had no pushback in terms of, of, of the concept itself, because it, again, you know, there's not, um, you know, there's no rocket science involved um, for our particular project, and, you know, and, and, and given the location that it's in to be able to do that. There's a couple of engineering issues in terms of how you would take off gas and what's the right way to blend it in with the tailings. Um, um, but, you know, other than that, as as a, an issue, there's really not any kind of uh, um, you know anything particularly fundamental at that point. And and again, there's more operations now. There's you know you're starting to get more electric mining fleet become available. So again, for some underground operations that are going to an all electric uh, operation, um, you know that um, again that opens up the possibility for those type of operations to be able to do it. So you know again, it's just just it's just looking for you know the the right. The right set of opportunities deposit location and now it has to be you know net zero carbon potential as one of the you know key pillars um, as you look at you know projects that you want to get involved in so talk to me some about some of the funds we, we've mentioned in the past um people like cobalt 
um, and the Black Rocks of this world, are they actively now seeking projects like yours or making demands of projects which perhaps aren't but could be or should be? Um, how are they affecting funding in the marketplace? Because they're slightly unconventional in the way, because they're, they're coming from non-mining backgrounds, but they're seeing opportunities, kind of hedge fund-ish in their approach and saying, well, if we put money into the right companies, but even we have standards. Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, I think in terms of, you know, again, um, you know, the larger, you know, there are more and more uh, large investment funds that are, you know, ESG is part of the, you know, again, you know, the, the large funds are deploying capital and they have added that third column in terms of where they're valuing companies. So if you're a junior, you're, if you're now operating in that industry or you're being evaluated on that column, it would be good to take that column and put it into your day-to-day um, investment decisions. Um, you know, again, with the energy metal space, you know, again, cobalt it is good to see sort of Silicon Valley money come into the mining sector and think about ways to try and find more, you know, they're focused on looking at, um, you know, trying to find other sources of nickel and cobalt, you know, that aren't in the Congo and, and are other places that have some, you know, political and, and environmental challenges associated with them. So, you know, I, I'm hoping, you know, and that, you know, that is a, a sign of more more capital to come from that space. You know, we'll see, you know, what happens over the next four months. It's been, you know, I think we're at day nine post announcement. So, you know, it'll take a while for it to trickle through. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm hopeful as we go through the rest of the year here that, you know, we should have some pretty interesting discussions with a bunch of uh, investors that we wouldn't have been able to talk to before. Okay. I don't like rumors. But I've heard one. Yeah. Orford, West Raglan, partnerships. What can you tell me? Okay. No, the, um, so, yeah, uh, full disclosure, I'm chair of Orford as well as my role of uh, Canada Nickel. Um yeah, I mean, the, the reality, and I've, I've said this multiple, you know, lots of times, you know, there are very few high quality, uh, you know, nickel sulfide projects globally. Um, you know, the West Raglan property we picked up at, at RNC in 2014 um, was our first, you know, one of our first uh, acquisitions of something else other than Dumont. So, uh, you know, again, we continue to look at all nickel sulfide opportunities. Um, and if, if and when it makes sense for us, you know, we will look at you know, we'll look at doing something with that nickel sulfide property, but at the current time, there's no, you know, there are, there's no, no deal on the table or anything like that, but it's a, it's a great, it's a great, uh, as an Orford mining chair, chair, it's, it's a, it's a great, it's a great opportunity. Okay. I'll, I was looking for signs. I was looking for signs, Mark. <laughs> you, 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 you've got your poker face on and, and I know you're exactly. a very good poker player. So uh, yeah. I got nothing from you. Um, well, Mark, hey, thanks, thanks for this week's roundup. Uh, you kind of, when we first started talking about this, I said, well, you know, n- things don't move that, that much in uh, nickel, in the world of nickel. It, we'll see how it goes. It may not last, but here we are, 10 episodes later. It's, it's getting exciting again. Oh, yeah. No. And, and again, the, the part with nickel is, you know, again, it's always been the most volatile base metal. So, you know, again, I would encourage people to, you know, not wait for the perfect set of, of, of indicators to come in place. You know, the mid-May trade in the base metals that I said was it was the right time to, to step your, your, your foot in has, has been great. Um, and again, now that we've got this, you know, you know, the moves over the last you know, six weeks, eight weeks have been uh, uh, have been momentum. Um, based, this is real solid, um, 
you know, fundamental, you know, there's a set of fundamental things that says, you know, this level is, you know, is, is you know, is, is, is going to be interesting for a period of time. And, and again, we're now with New Caledonia just providing a little more and a lot more ore to the market. It's, it's, it'll set up an interesting um, end of year, 20, early 2021 uh, uh, timeframe. So yeah, stay tuned. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com. And of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.